recorded live at three different points on the gender spectrum it's transformation thursday my name is amy stevens and my pronouns are she her my name is natalie walker my pronouns as always are she her today we have sarah gadiosa with us to talk about the importance of being your true self and gender expression both deeply personal topics to everyone on this podcast Sarah will be sharing their experiences with us about their life as an NB and what it was like to come out as an adult. We'll also touch on language evolution and how it can shape the world we live in. But before we get to our interview with Sarah, General Counsel Francesca Rodriguez is here to remind you that Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material. This is Francesca Rodriguez, the General Counsel of the Transformation Thursday Podcast Network, here to remind you that Transformation Thursday is copyrighted material. All rights reserved, 2021. You can support Transformation Thursday by leaving the podcast a five-star rating and writing a short review on Apple Podcasts. It's free and helps to get Transformation Thursday out to a larger audience. On Twitter and Instagram, follow us at TransThursPod. On Facebook, follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And my name is Natalie Walker. My pronouns are she, her, and we are here with Sarah Gadioso, just talking about life. Yeah, we are talking about life, aren't we? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Talk about. Sarah, we do that a lot, don't we? Yes, we do. It's actually one of my favorite things. It's like, all right, I need, I need some talking time. Sarah, what are you doing this weekend? Is the patio open so, <laughs> or the porch, whatever we want to call it. So, but we didn't, we didn't bring you on here to talk about the back patio though. Did we, or the back porch? No. <laughs> no. So what are we talking about then today? I don't know. Well, I found a bunch of notes I wrote down about gender stuff. So that could come into our conversation today. Well, let's, awesome. let's do it. Let's let's well let for transparency's sake, and I said I've said this before, and I, you know, Penny and I, Francesca and I, you know, we're very trans-binary in our presentation and our approach to the world. And part of the conversation that you know we had a few months ago back with Penny Gold was trans femme non-binary. But Sarah, you bring a different perspective into this too. So I like that we're having this conversation because, you know, we're starting to dive into some of these non-binary experiences that are outside of the binary and that we haven't had represented on the podcast. So, you know, and for, you know, in our friendship, we've had some conversations where we don't see eye to eye on things, but I love that we can have these conversations and still talk about the trans experience from our perspectives because they are different. And I learn every time from you. So I, I just want to say thank you for that. And so, but let's let's use that as our jumping in point for that. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. All right. So, I mean, so we were talking before we got rolling here. So, I mean, do you want to tell a little bit about your coming out experience and, you know, what you've been going through through the pandemic here? Because those two have very much coincided, haven't they? Yes, they definitely have. Yeah, I uh, basically realized that it was far more important to me to come out to my family than I was admitting. And it was something I had buried for a long time. And I was 38 years old. Um, I had gone through a breakup, a painful breakup. I had a partner for 13 years and I was spending a good amount of time with my parents and giving 
a lot of thought to my own life, my own self, my own path forward. And it was my parents' 51st wedding anniversary. (laughs) And I was at their house doing laundry and spending time with them. And I hadn't planned it beforehand or anything, but uh, I came out as bisexual and non-binary. And it was just, uh, it's difficult to put into words how meaningful it was to me to finally tell them more about that, you know, these parts of myself. They have, my parents have grown and changed a lot also over the years and are wonderful people who have sought out like a, a church that val- that talks about different gender identities and have sought out different materials to read that help help them understand the experiences. And uh, though I don't view any of it through, a, I'm not a personally religious person. It's really cool that they, they're looking, you know, it's important to them to be able to find context through their faith. And um, it's a really cool thing. Like, when my mom finds an article about something and wants to share it with me because it's about uh, the variances in gender in humanity. And it's really cool. So um, it was, and it's still a journey. I mean, there are still a lot of things, you know, we haven't really talked about pronouns in my family. I don't, and it's interesting, you know, there are just, as we go forward as a family unit, it's nice to have, and I finally, I called, all of my siblings individually and, and talk to each of them. And, you know, my sisters shared with their children and stuff. So, you know, it's, so you'd say, we're, overall, like, we're there. you'd say overall your family's response to your coming out has been a positive one then overwhelmingly positive. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's been really cool. Um, but it still doesn't change some of the challenges, you know, being 38 before feeling like you can come out is also a Was part anything- of the, in particular that held you back do you feel uh yeah I mean I feel like I just feel it it, I felt for a long time like it was um about shame and avoiding it was different we weren't supposed to talk about it or um and I really that's that's painful you also Uh, mentioned oh sorry go ahead sir that's all right well you just you feel invisible or like you know you or you shouldn't complain like I also you know recognize it's difficult to navigate and and questioning yourself did questioning yourself did I hang on to this for so long when I should have just said something so so long ago and I mean would it really have you know you don't know you don't know how it would have gone if you'd done it sooner yeah would it have made a difference if I'd come out at 13 as opposed to 38 exactly yes and I wouldn't have used the same words by any stretch of the imagination I mean the feelings haven't changed a whole lot and the gender feelings. And, you know, I didn't have a ton of words for, I didn't, you know, I don't think I learned non-binary exactly as a term until much later, like 2017 or 18, even maybe, but well, maybe not. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't, the year doesn't matter. The point is even when Facebook started in 2007, I've always used they, them pronouns on Facebook. It was just and sometimes I have conversations with old friends that are really validating because like the gender stuff gets so confusing, even, you know, out in the world, you're like, am I queer enough? Am I messing this up? Is my story somehow going to, is there some, something about my contribution of my story that's going to hurt the queer community, you know, like, and it's scary and strange to ask yourself all these questions and to do it as an adult, you know, I also didn't realize how much those questions would come to the forefront as an adult, like, 
um, and being out at work and stuff uh, because I list pronouns um, and use the mixed title in my email signature. So anyway, I'm sorry. I think I uh, got a little bit off my original point there. <laughs> nope. This is Sarah's interview. So, you know, we go where you want, where you want to go with it. My, my other, my question in there is, you know, two things. One, you know, what word would have you used back in, you know, 2001, two or three, you know, to describe what you were feeling? Well, you said- and I do, I did have the benefit of knowing words like gender fluid. And I knew, I think gender fluid was probably the best one that I knew. And even queer, I think to some extent, because, you know, I, I love to use it in all the senses of queer, which for me are gender and sexuality queer. That was because of uh, reading that I did, like an interest in sociology and um, classes that I was able to take in college and stuff and uh, books that I read that opened up more questions for me. Like, wait a minute, there, there are more, there's more to it than we talk about. And I also, I mean, it also goes back to, um, you know, being young always having a love of like gender non-conforming behavior because I just, I never felt like I was that. I never, I was never the right kind of girl, you know, quote unquote, because I was louder. I was fatter. I was bolder. I was um, brash. Like I've always liked swearing. I was, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't supposed to like the things and sort of as the older you got and the more you weren't supposed to like some of these, and I grew up in the nineties, you know, it was grunge era and stuff, you know, we're like, we're rebelling and wearing our big thrift store clothes and listening to um, Nirvana. And (laughs) I don't know that was just very, everybody skateboarding and though all of those different things jumbled together. And I never really felt ever, ever like I fit the bill for what I understood a girl or growing up into a woman was supposed to be or supposed to look like. And the toxicity of just trying to conform for so long, you're spending so much time and energy. And in, in some degrees, you don't even realize you're, I mean, and it's so hard to describe because I think sometimes people would look at me and be like, what are you talking about? Because like, I didn't really, you know, we were all the, we were called the freaks at school. Like we wore our weird clothes and we had lots of jewelry and wore our wallet chains and all that stuff, you know? And, um, reclaimed that word everybody called us freaks and we we're like yep we are <laughs> with our dark and scary music and whatever and th- so there was so much self-expression but it was still always a constant battle like not being allowed to dye my hair or I don't know uh well and actually I mean part of it for me like a lot of the clothes you just couldn't fit into like I would go thrift store shopping because I could buy stuff that would fit my body, which show also drove my parents crazy because it was usually oversized men's clothing or whatever, you know, um, and these like huge belts. Um, so I don't know. It was, it's, it's a fine line and it's, it's you, and you only remember, you just have your one lens of what you remember your life was like. And certain things at certain points take on more meaning when you look back and reflect on them and they maybe didn't have that meaning then, but they do now. And you can only ask yourself if, like, what if I had come out to my whole family back then? What if I had, well, basically that, I guess, (laughs) was the what if for me. Um, And you can't ever answer that. So you just have to keep going forward. Yeah, you have to keep going forward. And if we try to answer those what ifs, for me, that just becomes a spiral of dis 
you know, despair yeah. is the word I'm looking for in there. But I want to circle back to one thing real quick is, you know, you, you said something about your mom finding articles on gender expression. And she's, you know, also, you know, a member of a religion. Does she also tie in like gender nonconformity with like biblical studies? Because there are people out there doing that. Has she come across anything like that to help her ease her mind? Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, she's, and I don't, I'm not sure that her mind has been really much at, at unease. I think she just enjoys finding more. I think it was, I, I think it was a bit eye opening for her in the sense that she never really thought about it before. But she has not given me any indication in these articles that she finds. And one, the one of them that stuck with me was uh, because the one, it was two faith leaders talking to each other. And the one faith leaders in the same faith as my parents and the other was a two-spirit Native American person. Um, and they were talking together. And I very much appreciate because, you know, I think we're, because on this, on some level, we're trying to do the same thing. You know, we're, we're reading about lots of different cultures and perspectives on gender and how, and again, just the natural richness of humanity, which is what it really should all be part of. And not that gender has to be fluid for every, it doesn't have to be fluid for every single person, but it should totally be allowed to be fluid for people. People should be allowed to express themselves and use names that they wish and go through, you know, what, you know, they should just be able to express themselves without these limited approved ways of doing so. And it's hard that people aren't. Yeah. On the, like, on the subject of being able to express yourself, how do you express being non-binary? What are some of the things that you would like to do that make you feel more comfortable? Well, and that's, I mean, like at work, the email signature using she, they pronouns and the um, MX, the title mix, Gaudioso, as opposed to Ms. or Miss or whatever. That's also an interesting question because, I mean, everything I do is an expression just because I am. I do tend to be a more femme NB um, and I'm comfortable with that. But like, you know, I still think about like the my super short haircuts and the, my wardrobe, uh, I don't, I don't have a particularly feminine fashion sense and I like a lot of jewelry and stuff, but the jewelry tends to be larger pieces, like a little more imposing or not, you know, what not, I don't really wear understated pieces. I tend to wear like large necklaces or, um, you know, just things like that, which aren't even, it's not even necessarily that big of a deal, quote unquote, but it's just, it's just all part of who you are. And on days when I just want to put on jeans and a sweatshirt and be very androgynous and left alone. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, the question that I have in there, and this, this might be something is, you know, you, we've talked about this and if you want me to strike this, I will, but we've discussed the notion of you being a trans NB, but still being probably skewing more femme. But how do we explain to people and especially general population? And the answer can be none of your fucking business. How do you identify as trans and be and not go on cross gender hormones? You know, I think for a lot of people that are trying to understand this, there's a lot of mystery in that as well. Well, and I mean, it's so personal, like gender is a personal thing, but I guess it has to do with feeling as I grew up, I felt like I was getting incredibly clear messages on how I was supposed to be in society because I was a girl. I, you know, everyone said I was a girl and I, 
there were a lot of things I was supposed to like. And, and I was also, I will mention pretty dedicated to a lot of it. Like I loved Cinderella and like, uh, many fairy tales. I loved reading fairy tales and all kinds of stories that also supported that narrative, which for me seemed like a very singular narrative. And you were supposed to just be this particular type of way. And again, like I was, I, I have a strong personality. I just have a very strong personality. I don't tend to be quiet if I'm unhappy or uncomfortable, which I think is generally speaking a pretty good thing. I but love it. being right, being outspoken, being feisty and taking up space and enjoying some of the attention and um, and again, not that any of that should be viewed as like somehow inherently masculine. It felt like it, what, you know, you know, it, our society feels very binary and I just very much felt like I didn't fit into this feminine box ever. And all through growing up, there were ways that I dressed and acted that were actively rebelling against that and pushing back on it. And I just know, I know that I've always been gender fluid. I never, I, I've always been, been able to feel the uh, fluidity and aspects. And that's the other thing that's tough because um, the world is not binary, but the binary, the, the there are male and female do exist. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a cisgender male or female person. So that adds a whole nother layer of how do you like what, how, what is, and what is the point of defining that? And I think those are the cultural questions that we have to ask ourselves. Like, what is the real benefit here? What are we doing? What are we really driving at? How can we do better? So on the note of like inherently female, inherently male, are there traits that you feel are inherently male or inherently female? Like, how would you define them? Not traits. I just think, uh, I think, how do you even describe that? I mean, I think it's cultural, culturally ingrained, those that people do end up associating. And I don't know how far away, I don't, I, I don't, I guess I don't have a fully developed answer for that because what I want, what I'm thinking about is like a world where we have whole different language to talk about things so that we don't have gender terminology for human beings from the, from the get-go we find a whole different way to frame things because I don't think it's really about the traits actually being gendered, but see, even I get lost in the weeds of the very conversation because gender is personal. It just is. It's, it's not, there's sure there's shared ideas you would hope and, and shared terminology that we do our best to use, but like, if you're just a human, I mean, it's just, you're human with your, and you're more than some decision based on your parts that, it's just, you're just missing so much. We're just missing so much with the way we boil it down to the singular identity is it, it, it really makes me mad. It makes me mad. We haven't gotten farther, you know, the older I get, I see it so plainly, but other people don't see it the way I see it. So how do you, and how do you explain that? It's an incredibly difficult thing to explain, especially for somebody who doesn't think they understand any kind of gender fluidity. For me, it just kept getting stronger as I got older. I felt more and more like I just categorize, I just categorize and see that's, I mean, for me, it's just a, it's another, it's a, that's, you know, those other words that we use to talk about it. It's, you know, not even, uh, not it's beyond the binary. It's nothing. It's neither one of them. <laughs> you know, what I see as the starting point for this, as I listen to you, Sarah, is the reclaiming of singular, they, them, isn't this the first step of that? And are there other languages 
that we can borrow from in English to lend to this idea and grow our lexicon of verbiage around these ideas? Well, you know, so I'm by no means an expert, but I love that you just asked this question only because, and I'm again, not even a little bit an expert, but my boss is Turkish. And in conversation, we were, you know, uh, my boss is a very open-minded person. So we've talked about it, some gender things before. And he's explained that sometimes in English, the reason, and he does sometimes have trouble with he and she pronouns and we'll mix them up for people because his language doesn't have any of those. They don't use them. So he, it's not that he is somehow confused about someone's personal identity. He literally, it can happen at any time because he is doing calculations to try to remember a word that was meaningless until he learned English, <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, it can be done. And again, I'm not a, I'm not a Turkish language expert by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm not, there could be a lot of nuance I'm missing as I am relaying this anecdote from my personal life. <laughs> no, I love that because what's that saying is that a lot of our understanding about gender is baked into language and culture that we come from. And German, if I, I'm not a German expert, I took French, which is very gendered as well. In German, if I believe there's neutral pronouns or neutral descriptions for word, as well as masculine and feminine. So I think, I think there's room for this within English and people are like, well, they then never existed. I was like, no, no, we just never existed in your memory because it existed before we existed. And so I like the reclaiming of these things and tying these back. I love accounts on Twitter and other places that document verbal history and language history because language evolves and develops and things come back. So we're just really reclaiming things. And I love the idea about the two spirit. And I like when I identified as gender fluid and was that idea of two spirited, I always said two sold because I never wanted to, you know, appropriate the native term for because I'm a Western person with, you know, Western religious upbringing. So that's just me and my cross and quite literally cross to crawl up and bear because I just don't want to appropriate a native term. But I really love that, you know, we're getting back to these ideas and I see you pushing these, you push them in our conversations with each other. You push them at work, you push them online in different forums where I've seen you active and online. So you're pushing the envelope and you're doing the work, Sarah. Well, thanks. Thanks. It's something I ask myself about quite a lot lately. And I, I, you know, we have a lot of great conversations, a lot of great conversations. And you know how much I value my family relationships and, you know, but you want to, but you want to talk about these things with people and you want, uh, I want to feel like my family knows me and, you know, sort of gets it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you think that's true. I don't know. I it's, it's tough. It's what I strive for, but I also, in my 20s was a very forceful advocate and would, yeah, I yelled at people a lot. That's all I'm, <laughs> that's all I'm really trying to say. We all, did. We, all, we all did in our 20s. Don't worry about it. Dude. And um, I think, you know, don't get me wrong there. You know, there's a time and a place slash I'm not a perfect person. So, you know, uh, yeah. Right. Shock of the century. I still um, yell at people a lot. Don't feel bad. So I, you know, I try not to yell at people a lot because I, because I don't believe it's productive. And that's another uh, part of this conversation, um, Amy, that we have so frequently. And I think it's such a, 
it feels like a queer conversation to me. Like what's, what's how, how much do you have to do the educating and the hand-holding and the kind, whatever, and how much can you just yell at people? <laughs> and I think you and I have a very different take on this from our different experiences. And I work, there are times where I'm the general person in the community. Yeah, I'm going to walk away from that person and I'm not going to have that conversation but somebody that I know, or especially in my program at, you know, mental health counseling program, where I feel like I can educate people and help additional people through educating one person, then I think I'm going to take the time. But I think you and I have talked about this too. We're going to have different boundaries with different people. And I think those are hard for some people to set. And I think we discussed this the other night. So where do we find that boundary with friends and family versus, you know, Joe Schmo and that coworker who's just always there to piss us off? I don't know. I don't have an answer to it, but I think that's an well, individual and I don't thing. Either. I, and I think that's, you know, that's part of life, right? That's part of what we're all doing is trying to relate to each other. And there's a rawness. I mean, I feel it. I feel a rawness uh, in the air after the pandemic um, where it can be. And I'm just such, I'm, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I emote all the time. You know, I go to work and if I'm having a crappy week, like you'll probably notice. And sometimes I feel so badly about that, but I'm just like, well, I can't, I, what I'm really working on now is can't I just find the right fit for the, like, <laughs> can I just find a better environment where it's more appropriate and this energy can get be put to use for, and I do, I think about working that's kind of my dream, but I don't even know what to do next, which I, and I don't want to get lost in the weeds of talking about that too much, but I just am thinking about what, what might the next steps be in terms of, of doing a little bit deeper dive and into sociology. And, um, what if I really did look at becoming an educator in a more serious way kind of thing. So do you feel that there is a better way that people can approach when they are truly looking for education? Like, do you feel you can sense the difference when someone's just stirring when they are actually genuinely curious? Uh, it's an interesting question because um, I, it's tempting to say yes, I can tell, but I'm not, uh, I'm not sure that that's true. I think, you know, as I get older, I see some of these reminders that pop up usually in meme form now <laughs> about, uh, you know, a lot of times it's not what's it, it's not how someone said something you you know you're not acknowledging your own trigger of course I'm ruining it I didn't write the meme okay <laughs> but you know it, you you have to stop and think about how much of it really is you and that's also don't you think kind of an impossible question like you only get to experience the world as you so it's a tough thing to stay on top of when someone is approaching you is there a way that you would hope that they would ask like is there something that would help you to identify someone who is genuinely curious. Oh yeah. People who have already done some freaking work, please don't come up to me and ask me about my email signature, unless you have something competent to say, and you're just, uh, you want clarification on something specific that you read. <laughs> I mean, really is what comes to mind because, um, and that's hard too, because people, uh, people mean well, that's, you know, this whole impact versus intent conversation is incredibly important. But when you start putting it into action, it's, you know, I, I, I say to Amy often, um, I don't like purity testing people in my life, you know, 
Um, and I don't want to feel like that's what I'm doing. But at the same time, you're like, are you trying? Have you ever educate yourself? Go Google something. I promise you, you can type some words into that search bar. And if you really want to give it a read, it doesn't take very long before certain um, ideas become very clear which have to do with not just walking up to someone and expecting them to just explain their life to you when you, when well, you well, may or may not, you're casually, oh, tell me more. Maybe I'll believe you. Maybe I won't. That is not appropriate. I am real. I get to exist. I am valid. And that's where things get really like, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are coming to you to talk about it because they want to learn more because they are open to it. But um that can also go down in a very clumsy way, which is certainly forgivable, but is a little tough in the moment. I definitely well, put my foot in my mouth a couple of times meeting some of my first trans friends. So I get that. Well, and everybody, I mean, everybody does that too. I mean, and certainly, and that's another excellent point in the conversation because it's not like I've never messed up a pronoun in my life when I knew better or something. And, um, but even that, if you, it doesn't take very much reading to learn that you just correct yourself and move on. Because if you start saying you're sorry, you're sorry, what you're doing is asking that person to say it's okay. When you shouldn't be asking that person to say it's okay. You should just be recognizing your mistake, correcting it and moving on. Or if someone corrects you, you say, thank you. Yes, I meant him. Move on. Like, uh, and that's, that's, see, those are the, and that's what's a little bit tough for me. Cause at this point, for me. And again, you know, it's for me, that's a very basic conversation, but that's not true for everybody. So it's real tough. The tough thing is, is like, you know, when I've seen trans people misgender and do it repeatedly and then turn it about them, like, Oh, I'm so sorry. This is so hard. It's like, you should be like the most understanding one. And even if you do goof up, you should be the one just like apologizing and moving on. And so, but this happens in all sorts of communities. So you know, and I got misgendered last week in one of my classes and the professor handled it perfectly. He just said, oh, I'm sorry about that. You know, I, and we just moved on. And then I just came back with, I think if you misgender a student, it's an automatic A for the semester. So, I mean, I, so I have an A in that class right now. We're just, <laughs> I'm done trying for the rest of the semester. So, I mean, but also trying to have some levity with it, you know, on my side, at least lets him know like, hey, I heard you and we're moving on. And I think that's the most important thing. We just don't want to dwell on it. I think it might be instead of being like um, in that situation, I think it might be more of a instead of a trans non-binary versus the cis, it might be also just a person to person thing, right? Because it happens with everybody. Trans people do it occasionally. Cis people like me do it occasionally. Like everyone has to adjust and it's just finding that way to adjust can be difficult. Well, and that's, I mean, that I, that's what leads me to uh, want to talk about language so often because straight up not having the language, it, it's, a, you know, we don't, I mean, unless you are in a community that it, it, you know, in a very gender diverse community that has a lot of the freshest know-how on everything, you're not going to be surrounded by people who it just, it's not, it's, we just don't, we don't have, and, and it's still, I think about it constantly. It's something when I see someone, I do not know. Increasingly I use they, them pronouns, but there are still times I'll tell a story or something. Oh, and she said, blah, 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 blah. And I, it, it's inside my head invading my thoughts. 
you don't know. Like, and we, we, you cannot see someone's gender. You don't know. And how do you reconcile with that all the time? Well, I think it's, that, and it's that, not easy, not easy. And I think our society has and our culture has become comfortable with this one simple question. What are your pronouns? Yeah, it's an easy enough thing to ask. I remember being at a comedy show and I couldn't visually identify. They were very androgynous. And I just looked and they were actually wearing a necklace that said they them. And I was like, oh, thank God. Now mm-hmm. I know like you're wearing a visual symbol that tells me. I and I've literally asked coworkers at where I works, you know, schlepping coffee around because, you know, these kids walk in today and, you know, you know, and I'm binary in my presentation. And I just I've, and I've just gotten to that point where I have to be that courageous with them and say, what are your pronouns? And I think that's a perfectly legit question in society today. It says I'm more concerned about you and making sure I address you right than, hey, I'm just going to take a guess to make me comfortable. Um, and I totally agree, but there are still always going to be those coffee shop interactions where you never catch a name in it and you're not sure. And they'll like, that's what I'm talking, you know, when you relay a story to someone and it doesn't know the person I'm talking about doesn't have to look any type of way because you can't, because you can't, you literally can't see it. You have no idea. Yeah. And you also um, move into the androgynous names as well, right? Yeah. So even when you do know a name, you don't always know, but even just seeing a face, just seeing a person doesn't give you enough to go on. Yeah. And that's why I go by folks, even like at work. And I've had coworkers ask me like, oh, they're definitely all dudes in the car. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> right. Like, I was presenting as a guy and I was still Amy, you know, so. Right. Well, and exactly. And those, the ways in which we attempt to be polite to each other in society are gendered. And that gets very difficult for people who don't wish to be gendered in society. <laughs> So me, I don't wish to be gendered in society and, you know, people who don't wish to be misgendered in society. So did you say it would come down to just having respect for everybody's personal boundaries? Well, it's just such a huge thing. It's yes. I mean, that has to be part of it, but it also has to be changes in our language, which would be, you know, changes in our culture, which we're not going to see anytime soon. I mean, I wish that we were, but people are still having gender reveal parties every day and you're not revealing your baby's gender. You're revealing your baby's genitals. (laughs) And it would be really good to start with that one. But just me saying that is going to enrage (laughs) certain people. So what do you do? I don't think it's going to enrage our audience. No, I hope not. (laughs) Gender gender reveals are transphobic and very dangerous to trans people. You and I just discussed this Friday night. Yes, I feel that way very strongly. Um, If anyone's been listening to all over a hundred episodes, gender has been talked about widely. If they're still listening and they're enraged, I don't know why they're here. (laughs) Right. But sadly, this is the first episode from Sarah's perspective. This is awesome. Thanks for letting Sarah's perspective make an appearance. Well, if anybody deserves to have an appearance, it's you, Sarah. So, well, we're good. We're actually going to record two episodes tonight because somebody's traveling in two weeks as Sarah and I also discussed on Friday night. So while Sarah's in Phoenix, I'm going to be in Las Vegas in two weeks. So what stays in Vegas will be shared on the podcast. No, that's not how that works, is it? (laughs) I guess it depends on what you get up to in Vegas. I hope it gets shared on the porch at least. <laughs> and Natalie will be videoed in. <laughs> All right. If well, she doesn't she... call me drunk in Vegas for a wingman. <laughs> well, actually. You wouldn't be the first one. 
Yeah, Natalie might be here in November, so I'm thinking maybe a porch night. Fingers oh. crossed. So, yep, we're hoping that Natalie can sneak across the border. So, for the big show on November 18th. Wonderful. That would be awesome. Yep. So, anyway, so. So Sarah, we we actually have our next guest of the evening sitting in the queue right now. That's going to be Cindy Arena. So another local. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we're going to actually do a deep dive into EMDR therapy, which I literally just read about awesome. before we got here. <laughs> Very cool. Yep. So. So that'll be next week's episode, but you know, so listen to Sarah, go back and listen to all this over again and then listen to Cindy's next week. Awesome. Right. Uh, that'll be so cool. Um, I got to see some of Cindy's comedy, so I'm psyched for that episode. Yep. Me too. So anyway, well, Natalie and I will be right back with our thoughts and conclusions. And I do have a quick announcement to tell you all about because Miss Francesca Rodriguez is taking a little sabbatical with her new job and upcoming move. So we'll talk about all the logistics of that and our final thoughts in just a little bit. Good night, everyone. Thanks for having me. It was lovely. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. My name is Amy Stevens. My pronouns are she, her. And my name is Natalie Walker. And my pronouns are she, her. Natalie, that was an amazing talk with Sarah that we just had, wasn't it? It was. Sarah was lovely. Sarah was lovely. They're always amazing. They're always insightful. And, you know, let's just do one quick takeaway from it. And I'll, I'll go first since it's, you know... This is your first time really doing these takeaway things. And so we're coming really, back full circle. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting thing doing the takeaways from them. Cause then you have to sit down and really think about what you just spent the last hour talking about. And we have to think in this podcast. Oh shit. I know we did not do a podcast for the thoughtless. No, we did not. So my, my big thought here is something that struck me as Sarah was talking about their experience coming out is doing it at 38 years old, but yet knowing since they were 13, that at a minimum, they were bisexual, but also that gender stuff was just below the surface, but not really having the language to describe it, discuss it. And that just seems to be a parallel with so many of us. Once we get beyond that gender, or once we get beyond the gender binary that we were exposed to growing up, that Finding that language for a lot of us can be very difficult, especially for those of us who, you know, I'm Gen X, Sarah's a millennial, you're... I'm somewhere between millennial and I think it's the Gen Zs. I don't know. Yeah, I'd call you a millennial. Yeah, I'm like right on the border. Yeah, you're you're a young millennial, but you're still there. And so, you know, that, that shifting language is something now that, you know, my 12 year old who you know, is just surrounded with queerness in their junior high at home here. It's just part of their normal experience. And so they have that language that we didn't have at a younger age. So that's, that's what strikes me is how this language is evolving and changing in real time. I really enjoy the fact that language is always evolving because it's the same way we have to look at everything we do in our lives is that your life is always going to be moving forward and it's always about adapting to the next situation. And like I talked about before, language adapts over time. And it's important that we keep up with that kind of change and that we make it as inclusive as possible and we respect everybody. And yeah. I think that's just what we were talking about there. 
Yeah. And I, and I think the language part is where, you know, language and culture are so connected to each other. And, you know, when we can find those language, you know, those new words and those new usages within English, I think the culture is going to catch up to the language. Absolutely. And, and I see that happening, but I do have an announcement after we, since we do have those final thoughts. Should I do a drum roll? Is that what uh, we're looking? Not that big of a deal. Okay. What's the announcement then? Let's share. Well, our, our general council is going to be taking a little break from the podcast. Because remember last week, uh, we discussed that they're taking a new job on a different coast. Yep. Moving over to California. Yep. Moving over to California. So they're a little getting deep into the weeds of their new job and also, you know, getting packed up and preparing to move across the country. So Ms. Francesca Rodriguez has a lot going on in her life right now. So we're just going to, uh, what we spoke about here over the weekend is just us keeping in contact with each other, seeing where each other is at in relation to our lives. And also just seeing, you know, when you and I, as Natalie and I, or <laughs> Natalie and I, that is it. No, 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 no. Well, when you and I are ready to touch base with Francesca and see if she's ready to come back, we'll be doing that towards the end of the year sometime. So hopefully latest that Francesca would come back is in January of 2022, but there's still maybe if something big happens, if, you know, especially with Supreme Court related here in the United States before the end of the year, I would definitely feel comfortable reaching out and asking her to come back on. Yeah, no, hopefully her move goes smoothly and she comes back ready to go. We'll see what happens with everything. Yeah, with everything. That's a good way to leave that, isn't it? Life what, is was that, what was that look for? <laughs> Those of you who can't see, I just waggled my eyebrows at my co-host. Yes, you did. So anyway, <laughs> on that note, we should say good night. Good night, Natalie. Good night, Amy. Good night, everybody.